0: You're listening to the Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley, and before we get into the Oilers talk, let's thank our sponsor, Giraffe Kings. It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part, it's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the free DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will have the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up. To get your free shot at $20,000 in total cash prizes every day of the basketball playoffs, head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to the other Connor podcast here on the Hockey Podcast and Network. My name is Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. And uh, I guess we got to talk about the Edmonton Oilers falling four straight to the Winnipeg Jets. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I kind of threw it out there on the last edition of the podcast that aired Friday. Uh, I said towards the end of the show, the next time we talk, the Oilers could be out of the playoffs. There is no chance that I believed that that would actually happen. I thought for sure the Edmonton Oilers would find a way to win one of those games but alas, here we are. The Edmonton Oilers 2021 season done. The Winnipeg Jets winning four straight games. And now the long, long off-season begins. And there's going to be a lot of questions for this Oilers franchise. They just were not tough to play against. And uh, looking back at that series for the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, this is a team that's got a lot of experience when it comes to the playoffs. They've made them four straight years. A couple of years ago, they went on a little bit of a run. And the playoff game's different, and you know the Jets excelled where the Oilers didn't, and you know for Winnipeg being able to run four lines, that caused problems for the Edmonton Oilers, and you know you had really good goaltending for the most part from Mike Smith. Defensively, you know for the majority of the series, you didn't give up a lot of opportunities, but you know for me, I look at that Josh Archibald hit on Sunday night, and. That's where it all kind of turned around. The Oilers up 4-1. There's only half a period remaining in that game, and they gave Winnipeg a chance, and the Jets capitalized scoring three straight. Then they go on to win in overtime. On Monday night, the Edmonton Oilers, you know, just trying to stay alive, and no surprise, you know, three out of four games go to overtime. And uh, in the third overtime, Kyle Connor, the guy you don't want breaking in all alone on your goalie, gets his opportunity, and he finishes so there's going to be a lot of disappointed people and I don't blame you. I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of a crappy feeling right now. I'm taping this. It's, uh, one in the morning here. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of <laughs> good in the vibe off Twitter right now. People are pretty disappointed and I don't blame them at all for the Edmonton Oilers. Like I said, the offseason begins now and there's just, there's got to be a lot of questions for this roster. Uh, I'm, Going to talk to Dino Millard here on the podcast. He, of course, with Podcast Alley, longtime a member of the Edmonton Oilers media scene, covered the team for a long time with TSN 1260 and Global Sports. But, you know, you look at this team going into the offseason, and uh, there's some free agents that they'll have on their team that I'm sure they'd like to keep. But you're probably not going to keep them all. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, did he play his last game Monday night for the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, Tyson Berry, a guy who, depending on what side of the fence you're on, you might want him back, you might not. You've got Adam Larson, who, after a slow start to this season, really came on towards the end and was playing some very good hockey. And then Mike Smith. And I think everyone would agree that Mike Smith is not the goaltender of the future. But the Oilers don't have too many hot prospects coming up for next season. So maybe he's back on another one-year deal. But uh, it's going to be a very interesting offseason for Ken Holland and the Edmonton Oilers. I think, you know, first things first, take care of your own. And then you look to the outside, and if they can add some known playoff performers, I think that would go a long way. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets just kind of outclassed them in that series and did a really good job smothering the Oilers' top players. And, you know, McDavid and drysettle held off the score sheet in the first two games. They came on strong in Game 3, Game 4. looked pretty good, too. But, you know, even they were... Kind of stifled at times. The Winnipeg Jets did a really good job getting uh, in the shooting lanes and, you know, right as they're releasing the puck, just getting their stick in there on time, back pressure as well, forcing the Oilers to kind of rush opportunities. And I think you got to give a lot of credit to the Winnipeg Jets, but for the Edmonton Oilers, just not what you would have expected and disappointed. I, I think after that loss to the Chicago Blackhawks last season in the qualifying playoff round, whatever it was, Oiler fans probably would have expected a better outcome, and they didn't get it. So tough one for the Edmonton Oilers, like I've said a few times here. And uh they'll be coming back, flying into the city, and the Jets will await the winner of the Montreal-Toronto. Uh One bright spot for the Edmonton Oilers on that triple overtime loss to the Winnipeg Jets. Darnell Nurse playing 62 minutes and seven seconds uh the guy's a freak he played outstanding hockey as well and it didn't even look like he broke a sweat so uh good for the edmonton oilers they've got someone there and uh now we just see what they do in this off season like i said on the show today we will talk to dean millard of course podcast alley uh He's been in this media scene for a long time in Edmonton, TSN 1260 Global Sports. He's also from Manitoba, so I know he's got a soft spot for the Jets. We hope that he doesn't rub it in too much, but we're going to break down that series with Dino in a couple of minutes here. We're also going to get to Jeffrey Ulrich. He, of course, with DraftKings Nation, and even though the Edmonton Oilers are out You can still follow along in the NHL playoffs and try to win some money on DraftKings. And uh, Jeffrey's going to drop by to share some information with you. And uh, hopefully you can at least profit off this one. The Oilers are out. You're going to be sad, a little pissed off probably. But maybe you can make some money on DraftKings. That's the goal at least. Uh, But right now, let's get to the conversation with Dean Millard. You can, of course, give him a follow on Twitter at DuckMillard. I taped a conversation with Dino earlier on. Today, we'll get to that conversation right now. We're now joined by Dean Millar, longtime member in the local Edmonton media scene. You can get his work at podcastalley.ca now. Also, uh, UFFS. We're going to talk about that later on in the podcast here. But first things first, Dino, thanks a lot for staying up. We're taping this 1215 Tuesday morning, technically. I appreciate it. How are you doing?
1: I am terrific, Connor. Uh, You know, my... A better half in in the in my household, not so good. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a Brandon Manitoba kid, so uh, as an as a kid, I was an Oilers fan. I wasn't a Jets fan because of Andy Moog. I was a fan, but as a adult and as a non um, covering NHL uh, non media member anymore, I can actually sit back and kind of cheer. And I did uh, when that goal went in. Uh, I, I have. Uh, you know, I wasn't an Oilers fan. I was kind of tra- transitioning to being a Jet fan in 1990, so I have a long memory of what happened. And this is a this is a really big moment for a lot of people in uh, the Manitoba area. Not so good in the Alberta area, and uh, of course, as you know, my wife Trish is a big Oilers fan, so she did not appreciate when I brought out the broom after that goal went in and tried to sweep her away.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, I I can't think of any Oilers fan that would have appreciated that. Uh, I was at the studio watching with Hernan Salas and uh, obviously keeping our distance, being safe, you know, but mm-hmm. as soon as that goal went in, it was just kind of silent. Like, of all the people that have to come in on a break... Kyle Connor, like that guy is just a phenomenal talent. And he, I mean, they've got a lot of players on that Winnipeg roster, but of course, you know, had to be him and a uh, great finish for them. The Jets played an awesome series, but uh, let, let's just, you know, if I were to flashback a week ago going into this series, would you have had any impression in your mind that this would be a four-game sweep for any side?
1: Not a chance. I picked the, the Jets in seven when I did my prediction. I, I can't believe it. And, just before we get any further, I only hope uh, you, you don't end up working with a talented youngster that puts this goal in a radio show <laughs> intro you have uh, over and over again. I can only hope that does happen to you at some point in your career. Because that stunned silence, that was me in 97 when Marchand scored on Andy Moog. So I I know what that feeling is like for, you know, I was a, a, a fan back then and uh, it my first job. So I know that oiler fans must be just absolute gutted uh, you know similar to the night at the uh at alibi when uh, the ducks made that comeback in 2017 <laughs> so i would have never of of you know i i would have i would have never have thought the uh, jets would sweep the oilers i would never have thought the oilers would have swept the jets i could not have imagined a sweep in this series i'm you know, I I'm as stunned as anybody else that the Oilers uh, have have been swept in this series. I'm not as, you know, broken up because I'm not a, an Oilers fan, but it's still totally shocking, especially especially after the way they started Game Three. I mean, that was that team that started Game Three was unbeatable, <laughs> and then you know things unraveled, and we know what happened. It's unforced errors and. You know, uh, even at times in in this game, uh, you know, the guy I feel the worst for is Mike Smith because he stood on his head. He was unbelievable, making just just crazy saves that, you know, I know people probably don't want to hear that he's 39 years old anymore. But, uh, man, uh, he was terrific in this game. So I feel really bad for him. Uh, but one goalie always has to lose in the, in the playoffs and overtime.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, both goalies were absolutely great. And I, you know, I, I know there was a few occasions where, uh, Connor Hellebuck led in multiple goals, but the first two games of the season, I mean, the guy's a rock. Um, and this was, I think, maybe the greatest fear for Oilers fans out there. Like, hey, if this guy can play at that level that he was last year, winning the Vesna trophy, I mean, he could steal games. And those first two, he did.
1: That's it, right? You, you know, he is, you know, he won the Vesna Trophy for a, a reason, and you know, this Jets team. Like, in you know, full disclosure, in all honesty, I don't watch as many Oiler games as I used to. I'm watching Jet games, uh, and and as soon as the Dodgers play, I don't miss a Dodger game. So I don't watch as many Oiler uh, games. I watch a lot more of the Jets, and the Jets were a team in turmoil. You know, uh, Scheifele was benched. Hellebeck was being pulled, and the, you know, you saw the Oilers lighting him up. There's no way you would have thought that this was going to turn into a sweep, but you could have thought, despite the rough patches down the stretch, that Hellebuck could regain that form exactly how he did. Um, and you know, we we talked a, a few weeks back uh, or whatever it was about this Oilers team, and you know, I wasn't overly optimistic about the goaltending, but. Mike Smith, I had no, I had no problems with Mike Smith in this series. I mean, the uh, the amount of, uh, like I said earlier, unforced errors in front of him that 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 ended up uh, as either game winners or momentum changers or whatever it might be. Is, it was like he did his part, in my opinion. So I, I think I, would have been, I was wrong a little bit about the goaltending. I'm not sure he'd be able to do it if the Oilers got past the Jets for three more series. But he wasn't the weak link, in my opinion, for this series. And I know it'll be dissected a lot as you guys go tomorrow and however long you're going to go for. Uh, but uh, I, I wouldn't be thinking Mike Smith was the weak spot in this uh, situation.
0: So let me ask you then, what do you think was the weak spot for this team because, you know, uh, the, the, the top-end talent did come to play eventually. There was a little bit of the uh, secondary scoring, but, you know, what stood out to you as the weak spot for the Oilers?
1: Unforced errors, um, number one. And then, uh, this, you know, tonight the the secondary scoring showed up, but, you, you know, there, there's a reason you get swept because it only happened uh, a few times. Uh, you know, obviously... The first two games, the Jets did a tremendous job shutting down the two best players in the league. That that's that's the storyline as well. But the unforced errors, um, you know, not just the, the penalty, but you know, I think D- I think Dave Tibbet, I give him tremendous credit last night after the game. He didn't sugarcoat or shy away at all from the penalty that Josh Archibald took, and I like Josh Archibald as a player, but th- that's going to haunt him. You know that 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 was a, a game that the Oilers had in hand. It wasn't the only reason, but it did change that in the momentum of the game. And it, then then there were their turnovers, and then tonight there was more turnovers. The Ethan Bear turnover, right? So it was it was just. I think it was the Oilers. You know, if I had to pick one thing, because I'm not going to say it was McDavid and Drysdale getting shut out because they did come alive. Um, and you know, while the secondary scoring showed up, I think that's probably the second biggest thing. But the first biggest thing is the Oilers made too many mistakes uh, that that you know were were um, uh, just so costly that uh, they they you you know you don't want to say that was the exact reason that this game ended or that game ended, but they were just so glaring at the absolute wrong times. It's hard not to to uh, for me anyway. Um, so it's, you know. Remember that series last year, that play-in series with Chicago? They were terrible in their own end. I thought the Oilers overall were 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 much better than that, but it was just big, fat errors at the wrong time.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you talk about the, the unforced errors or a lot of those, uh, that, that turnover by Ethan Baer just, you know, in a three, two game, kind of throwing a pizza up the middle. Like you just yeah. don't have to do that. There's a lot of times where they just kind of blindly try to rim it around. And, you know, that comes back to haunt them. But I got to give a lot of credit to this Winnipeg Jets team. Do you know, we talked about it before we came on here, but you know, the top line gets a lot of credit. Kyle Connor, Mark Seifle, Blake Wheeler. But, you know, then they roll up the second line. It's Stastny, Ehlers, Pierre Luc Dubois. And then even the third line with Cop. Uh, Lowry, Mason Appleton, and Matthew Pearl had some great moments in this series. Like, are are we sleeping on this Jets team? And this is their fourth straight year in the playoffs. Like, they know how to play this playoff hockey brand.
1: Yeah, and you know what? This is such a different Jets team without Patrick Laine as well. I mean, you, you, Patrick Laine, if he's on this team... Uh, he's probably moping about being on the second line with Stashney and Nikolai Ehlers, where uh, how many guys would, would give anything to play with those Nik- Nikolai Ehlers is just a phenomenal player. And it was just, you know, obvious how much the jets missed this guy, but you- you're looking at one of the best first lines in the, uh, the NHL, as far as balance of all three players. I mean, any line that McDavid and Dreisaitl are on is the best line in the NHL. I don't care who you put on the other side, but this Shifley-Wheeler-Connor line is so good. And then, you know, if, if that matchup they don't get, then they put out Stastny, who's a terrific defensive player, still has some really, really good offensive instincts with Eler, as I mentioned. Dubois coming over, big size, who can also play the middle. The guy I'm almost, I almost like the most is Adam Lowry. I mean, you know, I remember him from his Swift Current days. He used to score a lot of goals in junior. He's an absolute beast out there. And and I and I'm I'm glad people are seeing a guy like Andrew Kopp and Mason Appleton. I mean, Andrew Kopp is proving that you don't have to be six foot three to be a, a really strong defensive player. I think he's like six feet, six one. He's made some terrific defensive plays. So this jet team is built to shut down other teams and score timely goals. I mean, Mark Shifley, is—it's is, is, so interesting. I was at the draft in 2011 when the Oilers selected Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. I went down there with Global. Um, you know, I was—you uh, know—had a good relationship with uh, Rick Valette, his, uh, his agent, and so we were able to actually spend—you know—the night with the Nuge, hanging out, having dinner with his family, getting all of our TV shots. When Mark Shifley got drafted seventh overall by the Jets, it was a really exciting moment because it was the Jets' first draft back in the NHL. And I kind of went, hmm, that's interesting. you know. And I'd done the Pipeline show with Guy, who not really uh, – I wasn't the, the biggest Shifley guy. I didn't hate the pick, but I wasn't, like, jumping up and down thinking that's awesome. You look back on it now, and Mark Shifley, uh, compared to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who went first overall, Mark Shifley is just a – do, do, uh, dominant player, and I like Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, but Mark Shifley has surpassed where Ryan Nugent-Hopkins is. And uh, you know, tonight those those couple of shots were just unbelievable. So the depth is incredible uh, at forwards. We haven't even talked about the blue line, and they're led by that uh, you know centerman that's going to be a stalwart on Team Canada's uh, moving forward uh, in the in the in the coming years uh, at Olympics and World Cups or whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, Oiler fans might look forward to a day when Shifley and McDavid are on the same team, not going hand to
1: head. And <laughs> you... Morrissey, too. And, and Morrissey. Morrissey well, too.
0: And that's the guy I want to bring up because I remember, like, back in the day, uh, working on-site production for Oil Kings games and the PA Raiders would come to town and it was like, okay, hey, these guys suck. The Oil Kings are going to beat up on them, <laughs> but you're going to see Settle and Morrissey and that, that could be fun. Like, those two guys were outstanding together and, I mean, Josh Morrissey, he probably gets slept on in the NHL. Like probably not a lot of people give him the credit due, but tonight in game 4 he was outstanding.
1: Yeah, I I can't wait to watch Josh Morrissey uh, versus Connor McDavid for the next 10 years in the playoffs. And you know, all due respect to the Calgary Flames, the Oilers jets now that there's a sweep and the Oilers are going to be pissed off next year. Um, this could be the you know the the best sort of rivalry in the West going forward, and I know the Flames and the Canucks will have a say in that. But you know there was a time where the Oilers-Canucks was a better rivalry than the Oilers-Flames ever was. So uh, I think the reason why Connor is that th- look look at what the Jets have had in the in the past few years on on that blue line. You had guys like Truba, you had Bufflin, you had Myers, and they gobbled up most of the ice time. Now that those guys are gone, Josh Morrissey is getting an opportunity to be the guy he was, and you know, a dominant Prince Albert, uh, you know, on, on a on a bad Prince Albert team, being the dominant guy. It's just simply an opportunity, and it's you know, it, it's probably better that he wasn't thrust into that role uh, two years ago. He's probably had an opportunity to e- develop even better. Uh, and 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 then you know so the the amount of uh, sticks that he got on shots or positionally was so good and you know he's not the biggest toughest guy but he's not a, easy to play against uh, by any means. Him against McDavid, uh, he put on an absolute clinic. I'm sure Connor McDavid uh, would uh, tip his cap, and uh, it'll be good to see those guys uh, on a on a Canadian Olympic team at some point too. But you know who the guy that I was really impressed with on the Jets is Neil Pionk. And when when Jacob Truba got traded and and he wanted out of Winnipeg and and got to New York, the return was not terribly sexy from a Jet point of view. And uh, talking to, uh, you know, Jamie Thomas and the different people about what the uh, kind of the temperature in Winnipeg was, they weren't terribly impressed with getting Neil Pionk and and the thing. I think they're pretty impressed with Neil Pionk right right now. I think he has... (laughs) Uh, a pretty good uh, playoff going, uh, you know, and then they got some big guys like uh, Stanley and Forbert and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty impressive jet team led by a Vesna trophy winner. Uh, that top line is as balanced as anything. And, you know, for, for, you know, it, we'll see, we'll see when whatever Canadian team gets out of the division, how strong they really are compared to uh, everybody else. That's going to be the, the ultimate test when these teams move forward is, how do they compete against teams they haven't played this year?
0: Yeah, that's going to be really intriguing. I mean, for all four divisions, when they meet, wherever it is to, to, you know, play that final four, it's going to be fun. And, you know, might, maybe the first game might be boring. Like they might be kind of feeling each other out, you know, not wanting to mess mm-hmm. up. And, you know, I mean, we'll have to see how it goes, but maybe new rivalries are formed. It's going to be a lot of fun when we get there. Uh, Dean Millard joining me here on the Other Connor podcast. Dino, how about Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Of course, he scores a goal tonight, but, for the first time in his professional career, it looks like he might be entering free agency. Uh, do you think he gets a deal done with the Oilers? Do you think he, you know, tests the market at first? How do you think this plays out for the Nuge?
1: Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm of the opinion that I, if I'm the Oilers, I'm doing a lot of things to bring Ryan Nugent Hopkins back. And he scored a beauty tonight. I, I, I think the, um, I wasn't a huge fan of the Oilers loading up uh, it, it, right off. Uh, what was it? I think it was Game Two uh, that they went and, and threw McDavid and Drysaitel together. You um, know, I think I think Ryan Nugent-Hopkins is a, is a great player. And you know, Craig Button and I talk about on tracking the draft that, you know, <laughs> excuse me, when we're talking about uh, potential prospects, is this guy, you know, is this guy a first line player or is this guy a complimentary first-line player and and kind of what we mean by that is you know there's a guy like dry mcdavid mckinnon shifley there are guys that you know they are first-line players and then there's other guys that are really good players but you know maybe they're not that first line guy but with another guy they're terrific you know connor sheary or jake gensel those are you know kind of different examples of those guys i think ryan Nugent-Hopkins is is i think you put him on a line with uh with uh, McDavid and, and Dreisaitl, he's going to have success. But I think he needs a little bit more help on that uh, second line. Like, I think it's either, you know, I think, the, you know, you split up McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and Nugent Hopkins uh, is an exceptional player. You know, when you don't have uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid split up, Nugent Hopkins is, uh, you know, a pretty good player. You know, like, he's a he's a, a definitely an above-average player. So, But he does a lot of things. Uh, I think re- really strongly. I think he's a smart player. I think he's a really good defensive player. You know, you're not paying the guy eight, eight or $7,000, <laughs> but I wouldn't have a problem. You know, I, I think there were numbers about like a five-year deal, and I think I heard like six or six and a half. Um, I, I think Ryan Nugent Hopkins is, you know, probably likes uh, Edmonton by now. He's been here long enough. He sees that there's uh, some, some talent around. They, they have to give – they have to, find. you know, create another – uh second line player for for Nugent hopkins if you're going to load up mcdavid and drycycl they just uh i don't i just do, don't think there's enough talent to go around um so i'm not paying him eight or seven but you know if it's uh you know around six what he's making or six and a half um you know maybe seven is a high i go uh, depending on the term uh, but he does a lot of really great things uh, i just think he needs a little bit of help if he's going to be uh on your second line and and i just I didn't like uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl going together right away. I think that those are like in case of the series being over break glass and put them together. Ironically, I didn't think Tippett did it uh, soon enough or at all uh, last year. But, um, you know, I think you're you're just spreading yourself too thin with this Oilers team. We, t- we just talked about the Jets and the amount of depth, right? So if you're looking at the Jets and, and, and Nugent Hopkins is on that second line where Stastny is, there's no Ealers and there's no Dubois playing with Ryan Nugent-Hopkins.
0: Yeah, and you know what? That's that's kind of where I was gonna go next, and like we'll have a lot of time to, I guess, go through the off season and what the Oilers need to look at at free agency. I don't even really worry about the draft right now because that's so far down the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the Oilers are in win now mode. So sure. next year, you know, let's say you are able to re-sign Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, if you can get a full year with Nugent-Hopkins, dry-side and Kyler Yamamoto as a line. There you go. I think that's a win. Uh, McDavid with Jesse Puliarvi and potentially Dylan Holloway, maybe. I think that's a win, but I think the Oilers, I mean, they, you said it there. They, they don't have the depth and they need to add, I think, veteran players who are going to show up in the playoffs. Like, and one thing I thought the Jets did so well, like whenever the Oilers got into the offensive zone, they seemed to just collapse on them and it, it was a stick in the shooting lane. It was a, a little pressure, you know, from the backside forced them to take that shot or not, you know, being able to get a wind up on their shot, forcing kind of just a muffin in uh, Connor Hellebuck's direction. And the Jets just did it so well and I I mean I think the Oilers need to look to add some depth kinda like that and, and look for some playoff performers because man, it just gets such a it's such a tightened game in the playoffs and you just can't count on two players to do it all.
1: No, you you can and the Jets were just so disciplined with their defensive game and, and I thought Kevin BX did a really good job in the intermission showing, uh, the, especially the, the the plays of, like, Andrew Kopp of how high he was staying up, and then um, they just, you know, I, I don't want to say swarm, but they, they just always had somebody in the way. And I, I really didn't think that other than game three, you know, when, when McDavid did, and the Oilers looked unstoppable, in, in this game tonight, there were great chances, but I never really thought that they let McDavid and Dreisaitl uh, really, really get going, uh, you know, and and you know the momentum machine, and you know you you, you just don't like. There's no Adam Lowry on that third line of uh, of or Andrew Kopp of you know. As, well, there's good there's good players, but you're right. I just don't think there's the depth. The Oilers are going to have to to find something. I agree with you. That second line, I mean, it that that is just a you know a no brainer for me. I would think, uh, and then you have to. Um, you know, you have to find uh, something that somebody that brings something uh, on on that from that third line. Like not, not necessarily scoring points all the time, just generating something or, or frustrating the other opponent. Like anytime Paul Maurice could get Lowry Appleton and Copp out there against the dry side of McDavid and whoever, they like that matchup because then they know Shifley and and Stastny have these other matchups. And they're totally confident in Adam Lowry as a big beast third-liner uh, third, third liner, who also, you know, drove the net a couple of times. So the, the Oilers need, you know, it, you, you mentioned Dylan Holloway. You know, I don't know if he's going to be the, the answer on, on the first line right away. He might need a, a year in, in the American hockey league. Who knows? But they need to do something, whether it's going out and finding, uh, you know, a 29-, 30-year-old uh, uh uh, skilled forward who can either slot down on the first or second line with McDavid or whoever it is, they need to add something going forward. Cause I think it was pretty clear in this series that they just don't have the depth to compete. Uh, you know, they tried, you know, they tried the Kyle Turris experiment, but you know, who would you rather have? It's pretty obvious who you'd rather have Adam Lowry or Kyle Turris on your third line center right now.
0: Uh, do I can tell you, uh, I mean, that, that guy is definitely the biggest disappointment of the 2021 season, but when Lowry re-signed with the Jets, the 1260 inbox was very disappointed. Like, there were a lot of people yeah. who thought, you go out and you get Adam Lowry for the Oilers. He's a perfect fit, obviously. Uh, he likes yeah. his, his, you know, probably working with his dad in, in Winnipeg and staying there. They've got a great team going right now, so. Uh, makes sense that he would resign, but man, that he would have been a perfect fit for that Oilers third line, veteran size it and everything.
1: Wasn't a big deal either, right? No, it wasn't no. uh, a really expensive deal. Like this is a guy who scored forty five goals in in junior uh, that you have on your your third line, and I don't know. Was, I thought it was a pretty uh, team friendly deal, but like you said, you know, his his kind of his dad is there, but you know, I I I'm taking. A guy making what is it? I think it's like three point two or three three point uh, maybe three point two five. Yeah, yeah. Give (laughs) me that guy with that with his skill set and his size for however many years it is to the next four or five years. Sign me up. Like that's that's exactly what you want on as your your third line players, right? As opposed to like the four or five million dollars or you know things like that. That's perfect. Perfect cap management by Kevin Cheveldayoff.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean it, it's a five-year deal, sixteen point two five million. Like it, yeah. it's just it's it's great, and I I mean for the Jets, they're going to be stoked. Uh, it's not going to be a bad contract because I don't see his skill set diminishing in the next five years. You know the way he plays, he's always going to have a role on that team. And yeah, that was a great signing for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Dean Millar joined.
1: Are. Oh, go ahead. Even if his skills do diminish, it's only three point two million, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you know, even at the at the end of that contract, if you did have to somehow buy him out, which I don't think you're going to because he's so young, it's such a good number. so yeah, yeah, that's that's the GM's dream when a guy comes in at, with that kind of number and agrees to it, and you're like, oh my good, you know, and that also shows that maybe he sees like, hey, if I take a little bit less, we might be able to get a guy at the deadline or something like that that puts us over the over the top, right?
0: Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. And I mean, uh I'm just kind of looking at left wingers who are upcoming UFAs and a few people kinda joked about this on Twitter, but Alexander Ovechkin's out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's leaving
1: Washington, right? That'd be uh that'd be yeah, interesting. I, I think if he leaves Washington it's to go back to Russia.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I am with you a hundred percent on that one uh Dino just a couple more for you here talking about the Edmonton Oilers as they fall to the Winnipeg Jets in four straight uh just on the blue line uh Darnell Nurse playing 60 minutes and uh you know almost looked like he was doing it with relative ease they showed him a couple times uh close up didn't even look like he's sweating at one point he spins past a guy uh, around center ice like this guy has just been a perfect uh example of production and what you want a guy to turn into
1: yeah, he's an absolute horse, man. Uh, just, a, just a beast out there. He's physical, skates like, you know, he, he's a terrific skater. I, I I always thought that Darnell Nurse, uh, just because of his skating, would be able to get, uh, you know, different assists and, and in on the play. Um, but I always thought his decision making, maybe like uh, he jumped into the play at the wrong times and different things. And he really seemed to iron a lot of. Um, as guys do, as they get older and they mature and, and are given more opportunity, they stay, you know they iron some of those things out. And the, the, the best ones, the true superstars, the you know, um, you know the greats of the game take that step forward and, and kind of get rid of those mistakes. I, I was I was so impressed with Darnell Nurse this year. Um, you know he got off to that great start, He's scoring goals. He's like I said, he's a physical defenseman. He seems to be making better decisions. So. He took some terrific steps this year that I wasn't sure he was ever able to take in his NHL career. And I actually, you know, when Clefbaum got hurt, whenever it was the last year that I was doing the the, uh, post-game show, I thought that uh, they had given Darnell Nurse way too many minutes and it was too much and he, you know, fatigued uh, down the stretch. But, you know what, maybe it was was good. Uh, Maybe it actually just kind of, you know, forced him into situations that maybe he wasn't sure he would be able to succeed in and kind of fast track him. So, you know, he's been a bright spot this year for sure. And uh, the Oilers, you know, with, if, if Oscar Clefbaum can come back, uh, they, they have some interesting options as far as, you know, signing guys or not signing guys or trading guys, because they're going to have to maneuver some cap stuff. And Clefbaum has a great number uh, as far as that cap. So, I uh, I I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see but uh, you know Darnell Nurse has given him that option to be able to have that uh flexibility because maybe you know even a, a year or two ago they weren't thinking Darnell Nurse kind of in those terms as uh, as far as where he fits in on the um the the the, the chart of uh, you know what what defensemen and stuff like that uh, you know that that also comes with the fact that he's going to need a longer-term deal before he's a UFA, so it also brings headaches. But it's a good headache to have, to, to have Darnell Nurse turn into what he is.
0: Well, uh, some good news, Dino. Uh, Benoit Pouliot finally comes off the cap this year, so uh, <laughs> there's some positivity, and uh, I don't think they'll be bringing him back. I'm just going to run through their UFAs here for you. Yes or no, you tell me if they come back next year. We'll start off with Joachim Nygaard. Uh, no. Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Yes. Gayton Haas? Yes. Devin Shore?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. I, I like, uh, on a cheap deal, I like them, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was actually pretty impressed with him in overtime in game four. Thought he, mm. you know, wasn't uh, trying to be too fancy, put bucks on net. Adam Larson? No. Tyson Berry? Yes. Dmitry Kulikov? No. Slater Cuckoo? No. And finally, Mike Smith? No. No, Mike Smith, eh?
1: Yeah, I think they're going to try to – like, I I think they better be going out. No offense to Mike Smith, you know, but as you heard 500 times tonight on the broadcast, (laughs) he's going to be 40 years old. So I'm sorry. It's time. And, you know, bio Miko Koskinen, too, you know, like uh, unless it's bio-proof. But you have to – listen, at some point, look at the Jets. Look at the Jets and and Connor Hellebeck. The Oilers, enough with this – when is the last time – this Oilers team had a bona fide number one goaltender that you would say this guy could be a number one on this many teams in the NHL? Honestly, how many post-game show years did we done? And and he, he, I'm not using Dwayne Rollison as an example either because he was never a bona fide number one. He got incredibly hot. When is the last time the Oilers had a goaltender that you were like, yeah, this guy is it for sure?
0: Okay, so uh, we're not going to count Cam Talbot's uh, one good year then. Right. Not going to count Dwayne Rolison. Uh You wouldn't ever have put Tommy Sallow in that category, would you? Because young Connor I loved probably. Tommy Sallow, So I'll say Curtis Joseph?
1: Yeah, looked up a hell of a <laughs> long time ago. So I'm sorry. Mike Smith has been great. I thought he was terrific at times in this series. But it, the, the Oilers need a better option. Like, it, you know, if you have to keep Nico Koskinen as your backup, sure, it's $4.5 not ideal. But the Oilers have to find somebody. And maybe that's internally. You know what? That, that could be uh, internally that they have a guy that they really think they can, can develop. But I'm sorry. You know, even though Mike Smith was only making $1.5 last year, uh, you got you got to get a better goaltending tandem, in my opinion, or at least... Another starter. If you come back in with Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen again next year, what do, I, I just don't know what that says to the rest of your team.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Like I, I'm with you with Miko. I think there's no chance he can come back. But because I don't think the Oilers have that guy in the system that they can bring up right now, I think Mike Smith might get another one-year deal. And you know, 82-game season, you can't have him playing as much as he did this year. Like you're going to need a competent backup. So. It's unfortunate. I don't know what's going to happen. How about that uh, local goalie for the Edmonton Oil Kings? I know you and Craig Button uh, do a lot of draft podcasting here. Uh, Cosa, Costa?
1: Yeah, Sebastian Costa. Craig has him in the uh, top, in his top thirty-two. He actually has three goaltenders Ooh. in his uh, top thirty-two, and uh, he he likes Sebastian. He uh, Sebastian just you know this is going to sound weird. He looks like a goalie. Some guys look like a Michelin man. They're just all <laughs> equipment, and the puck bounces around. They they don't look terribly comfortable he looks like a goalie, like he could be wearing skinny pads and skinny equipment and still make the great saves. So, um, you know, I just, uh, I like him, but as you know, junior goalies are not guys that can uh, certainly step in, but definitely I like him and you know, Dylan Gunther's another guy that the Oilers aren't going to have a, a shot at uh, unless they trade up, but uh, could be a really great year for the Oil Kings in the first round this year.
0: Oh, yeah. And I mean, both those guys probably back next year. Hopefully fans are in the States to to watch mm-hmm. them. Could be a lot of fun for the local hockey fans here in Edmonton. And, uh, you know, maybe a little biased, but I still think the Oilers are uh, on a team on the rise. So uh, it's going to be fun. Dino, really appreciate it. Before we let you go, we kind of teased it before you came on. You're doing a little work with UFFS. What is it?
1: Yeah, in a nutshell, it's fantasy sports on the blockchain. Uh, so uh, it's it's the most realistic fantasy gameplay out there. Just a, a quick story. Uh, there was a, a lot of teams in our uh, league franchises uh, hire out uh, the GMs. It's a lot of people that are in the uh, the crypto world that are buying it on investment, and they hire out a GM uh, because there's only 32 teams. We only ever have exactly what the league we're based on, so it's kind of an exclusive uh, ownership club, but a guy, a GM actually got fired in our league this year because he screwed up LTIR on a player and they lo- they got fined and they lost a bunch of points and they dropped in the standings and they fired him on the spot and then hired a, a new guy. So it's fantasy hockey. It's the realistic. You got to know the CBA. We have, uh, 50 uh, man rosters. There's a scouting platform in it where players, you know, Connor Bedard, who's going to be the next, uh, you know, Superstar in two t- thousand and twenty three, uh, sold in a package the other day for over seven thousand dollars, uh, because these are high end prospects. And the reason they're selling that much and the reason the fantasy franchise sold for fifty one thousand US and another one sold for thirty five thousand US is because this is on the blockchain in crypto and it's NFTs. These players will eventually become NFTs and so uh, it's a, it's a world that I didn't understand, uh, you know, for, uh, for minute, for probably about, uh, 45 and a half years of my life almost. And, uh, now I've, I've, I've really researched it and it, it sounds really freaky and scary at the <laughs> beginning, but, uh, there, it, it's not terribly difficult to understand when you do some research. But the best thing I can say is it's fantasy sports on the blockchain. And it's the future of fantasy. We've got hockey now. I'm the head of baseball. We've got uh, uh, Andy McNamara, as you know, is heading up the, uh, the NFL. We've got basketball, golf, uh, so many things. And I would love to tell you some of the names that we have uh, that uh, we, we can't announce, but we will in the next couple of weeks. But uh, they're going to blow you away because there's some Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famer athletes uh, that are involved in this. That are signing on. That's going to take it to the next level. So, com is where you can find uh, a little bit more information. But if you have any interest in crypto, fantasy sports, it's a wonderful combination and uh, it's gonna, it's a lot of fun. I'm 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 doing less podcasting and and more involved in building a fantasy platform, which. Uh, you know, I, I never thought I would say the statement that I have to stop doing my cannabis podcast because my fantasy life is too busy. I I didn't think that statement was ever possible, Connor, but uh, anything is possible, I guess they say.
0: Priorities, right? You yeah, that's go. right. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just started getting into cryptocurrency, so I'm going to have to... Uh... Ask you some questions. Maybe you can inform me and I can make a little bit of money here. But thank you for staying up and doing this. I really appreciate it. We're getting close to 1 a.m. Uh, it was a fun conversation and we'll, we'll get you back on closer to the draft and uh, get some of this prospect talk and uh, maybe you can uh, let us know who you think the Oilers should be looking to select.
1: Would love to. Uh, I love, to- I love late night chats when it's 10 degrees above <laughs> instead of minus 40 in February and we're both, uh, Figuring out if our cars are going to start in the parking lot. So, thanks for having me on. I always love doing it, and uh, let me know uh, when you want to chat again.
0: Great stuff from Dean Millard. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Duck Millard. You can check him out Podcast Alley as well for the multiple podcasts that he's dabbling in. And uh, like we talked about there, this off season going to be very interesting for the Edmonton Oilers. Ken Holland got some cap space to work with here. A couple of contracts coming off the book, and uh, let me know on Twitter. I want to want to get your feedback. Who do you think the Oilers retain from their roster, and who do you think leaves? I ran through the list with Dean Millard there. Let me know what you think on Twitter. Give me a follow at Connor Halley. And uh, before we get out of here, we got to do something to try to help you out. The Edmonton Oilers, of course, now out of the Stanley Cup playoffs, but they still go on. And with that, there is opportunity to win some money on DraftKings. We told you earlier on, if you're going to sign up, make sure that you use promo code THPN when you sign up. And now we're going to get you some advice from Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. You can also give him a follow on Twitter, at TheFantasyGrind. Jeffrey, thanks a lot for doing this once again. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Thanks. Good to hear. Uh, i got to start off with golf because, uh, I mean, right now the hockey world for this podcast and for Oilers fans is a little bit depressing. But Phil Mickelson over the weekend wins the PGA Championship. What were the odds of him doing this uh, going into the weekend?
2: So... I mean, uh, you know, pre-event, you know, Phil was was going off. Uh, I mean, he wasn't on anyone's radar. Quite frankly, he was just a massive long shot, going off around 250 to one at a lot of places. Uh, I saw some people with uh, you know 300 to one tickets, uh, 200 to one tickets in that vicinity. Obviously, depending on where you you got the number on DraftKings, he was definitely around that number as well. Um, it just really wasn't on anyone's radar. I mean, um, as, as cool a story as, as Phil is, and it's an amazing story. I mean. There's just nothing we can point to to being like, oh yeah, this was coming, this was here. <laughs> you know, he had been telling people that he was close. He did put up a T21 at the Masters, but you know, 69th at the Wells Fargo in his previous start, where he lost four strokes on approach and 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 over and a stroke off the tee. Like he wasn't really playing that good. I mean, he he was showing up every now and then with a made cut, but it's just it's just really what it is. It's it's a talented, talented top 10 ever talent having just a week of his life and putting in a lot of work, and, and sometimes it just culminates like this for golfers, and it, it's really cool to watch. It was really cool to watch, obviously. So
0: Yeah, I mean, it was pleasant. Like, I know a lot of Canadians probably hoping that Corey Connors could have done it after the the way he started off the round, but, you know, if it's not going to be him, it might as well be a 50-year-old lefty like that. <laughs> that was pretty cool, too. So uh that yeah. was definitely fun, but that might have been where it ended for the hockey fan that's tuning into this podcast right now. For the Edmonton Oilers, obviously, we're taping this Monday, so down 3 Uh they could force a game five, can't rule that out, but they could also very easily be swept, and uh, by the time people tune into this, they could be out of the playoffs. But, Jeffrey, I want to ask you about this, so daily fantasy sports, kind of a unique breed, um, in other fantasy leagues, you know, you have your team and, and you're good to go and you don't have to worry too much about it, with daily it's a little bit different, and I just want to ask you, from your perspective, does desperation ever weigh into it? Like going into yesterday's game, the Oilers are down two games to none. In my opinion, it was time for McDavid and Drysaddle to show up. They both did with three points. Now you got a game on Monday night where they face elimination. Who knows what happens? But do you ever factor in desperation when it comes to the playoffs?
2: I mean, it's not so much desperation as I, I just call it well something like positive regression where. <laughs> You know, you have two stars, um, like, like Dreisaitl and McDavid. They've basically gone pointless the first two games. The other's offense, which was like top five, a great power play, um, you know, just had been shut down. Just the law of averages tells you, like, we have a large sample from the regular season. We know this is a good team. We know these are two of the top five on five players, you know, with McDavid scoring the tide is going to turn in their favor eventually. Um, and it did last night from a fantasy perspective. Like, they, they scored. They were great, multiple points each. But, you know, it's, it's hard to say, oh, you know, this seems desperate. Like, now they're down 3-1. They're, they're suddenly going to show up. It's not so much that. You've just really got to play the numbers here. And it kind of is a numbers game. I mean, people say desperation, but it's kind of just a fancy thing of, you know, we we know that these guys are good players. Eventually, this team is going to show up. So when you're playing that narrative, you know, the desperation thing, make sure you're doing it with a good team. Like, like <laughs> make sure it's not like, you, you know, a team has been so bad and they were bad to end the season, and now you're just like, well, this team's got to show up. Make sure it's a team, you know, like with, with legit stars. I think we actually might have another scenario here, too, with, with Florida coming up where you might get a similar pop. I mean, this is a team that's been good five-on-five. Five. They've, they've had strong like expected goal rates uh, in the series against Tampa. They've just kind of been outscored, and and I feel like, you know, at the very least they're going to push us to a sixth game. So um, desperation to me is kind of just a a fancy term that we use in the media, but it really just speaks to, you know, long-term stats and and how they can kind of turn around.
0: So let's look at the playoffs right now, and obviously, you know, you can't go with the Bruins, and, you know, potentially the Jets might not be a great play going forward. As they could be you know advancing onto the second round but who are some players that you like right now that uh might pick things up for their team
2: well I mean right now in Tampa it's an interesting situation right like you've got you know Kucherov might be banged up um you, you know Sergachev on the back end Alex Killorn's been been you know to be killing it for for Tampa Bay lately I mean seven points in three games gets a lot of usage out there I mean he, he's playing great um you know, I kind of like Florida to bounce back, but I do think Tampa's is probably going to win this series just because they have Lashalevski and Nets. So even if they are shorthanded, but you know, Kudrov misses time. I mean, Kilhorn is is going to be a player they're just going to keep relying on. So um, you, you know, I, again, that's that's a player like I, I would definitely be keeping my eye on here. Um, you know, if you're if you're kind of looking for uh, you know a, a little bit of a jolt as well, you could you could go to like the. Um, the uh, the net there. I mean, it looks like Spencer Knight might get the start for, for Florida. He's looked good when he has gotten the, the chances this year. So uh, you you could perhaps go there, you know, the, again, just to, to see how this series uh, plays out. But, um, yeah, it, it, you know, I don't have anyone, like, uh, super fancy off, uh, you know, just kind of, like, uh, out there, uh, so to speak. But I, I think one team I've been very impressed with is, is the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I thought that the Wilds were going to give them more trouble because – Max Pacioretty was out, and Alex Tuck is is a guy I think a lot of people favor. He's just very good at driving the pot creating plays, and he's just fit in so perfectly on that top line with Mark Stone. And if Pacioretty stays out, I, I see no reason why you shouldn't keep playing him, regardless of who they play in the second round. So, um, uh, you know, to me, the, that Vegas team, you know, you can just keep targeting that top line regardless of if uh, Pacioretty is out. Um, oh, I guess one more player to, to kind of keep an eye on, too, is, is Cole Caulfield of the Canadians. You know, looks like he's going to be getting a, a lineup start there. Uh, I believe he's 19. Could be interesting. We'll see. You know, rookies sometimes pop up this time of year, but just a player to keep an eye on, too.
0: Now, do you do you buy into, the, the like, the whole playoff hockey changes a lot, and there's certain guys you have to look out for? Because I saw Cole Caulfield as well. I thought, you know what? Man, that guy might be a sneaky good pick. I, you know, when he was playing, he was just putting up goals, and at big moments. Uh, do you think it might be too much for him in the playoffs, or do you not buy into that?
2: I don't think so. I mean, I, and, you know, some rookies, uh, they obviously do fall under, you know, heavy expectations, so to say. But I think you got to look at the situation with Caulfield. Like, it's not like the entire city of Montreal is, is like, you know, going to be like, oh man, I can't believe Cole Caulfield didn't come through in the playoffs. Like. If they get anything from him, I mean, it's going to be a huge boost. And I think the fact that he wasn't relied on, you know, at the start of this series puts him in an even better spot. Like, he can just come in and be the hero. If he doesn't play good, it's not like anyone's going to blame him. Um, This is a dude who wasn't even, you know, dressed for the first couple uh, games of this series. So I I think in this spot, you know, Caulfield's already kind of proven, like, he can provide a jolt. He's, He's had a couple goals already. He's actually had more than a couple. So, um, I, I look at this as a good spot for a rookie. I, th- I think he's already kind of lived up to the, you know, the hype, so to speak. Hasn't shown uh, much that so he's going to fold under pressure. And you know, Toronto, they're, they're a little bit short-handed. They, they can get a little bit loose on the penalty kill, so I, I kind of like it.
0: So as we sit here on Monday afternoon, that series tied to the Game of Peace, so we're, we know there's going to be at least two more games going forward from that series. Is there anyone on the Leafs, the Canadians, that you like outside of Caulfield?
2: I mean, I, I definitely like that that leaf, or that sorry that Canadians kind of I don't know what you call it their second or first line, but with Tyler Toffoli, Nick Suzuki, and uh, Armia, I mean, I, I think that's a smart pairing. You know, they've got Gallagher back, so you know th- they can put him back on the top line, take a few more minutes, um, you know, match that front line up if they want, and then it just gives the the Toffoli line a, a little bit better matchups. So I, I think that's a really good line where the Canadians could potentially you know take advantage of the, of the short-handed Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I think this series is going to be close. So, you know, I, I do like the Canadian side, um, you know, just from that perspective, that second line. I think that's one you can target there potentially. You know, on, on the Leafs, I mean, Morgan Riley's is playing big minutes. He's, he's producing really well for daily fantasy. And he's a guy for especially classic lineups. Like Morgan Riley doesn't get priced like the other elite defensemen. So I really like t- targeting Riley on the back end. Um, he, he's upped his block shots rate this year. You know, he, he gets a ton of power play time. We know that. The, the Toronto power play is starting to come alive a bit, too. So, um, you know, in terms of, like, just top end, like, one-offs, Morgan Riley is a guy I think he can really take advantage of for classic formats right now. But I kind of like that Montreal second line. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to had kind of like a, a big night here in the future.
0: How about with the Boston Bruins? Now, obviously, they knocked off the Capitals. They've advanced to the next round. Now, people might be looking ahead, thinking, "Is there anyone I can take advantage there?" We know the big name players, but is there anyone on Boston you think could be a sneaky good pickup?
2: Yeah, Jake DeBrusk is, is, you know, playing third line minutes, um, but you know, he's he's kind of played better. Um, you know, and 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 Boston definitely gives their third line like like steady play, so. He's, his time on ice really hasn't dipped that much. I mean, he played uh, 17 minutes in, in Game Three. He's he's been, he's been around 13 minutes, but his shots on goal have, were, were up there in a couple of those games. He did score two games in the uh, two goals, excuse me, in the series as well. So, is more one of those players where you're you're kind of just you know he, you might you might slot him in if you just have like a punt play like a one off like you need a guy who's around 3K on drafting. I like it because he's he's basically a pure goal scorer. He's, he's got that one goal and, and like five shots on goal upside for DraftKings. So um, I think it's a really cheap punt. He's he's going to potentially be interesting, uh, potentially in some good matchups too in the next series as well. So um, I like that, you know, for value, it's I think you can just keep targeting that Boston second line though, like Krejci, Paul, Craig Smith, really good value, uh, offer good upside with Taylor Hall there. You know, Taylor Hall gives you exposure to, to the power play and stuff as well. So, Boston's sort of become a way more intriguing fantasy team ever since they added Taylor Hall because all these guys have now drifted down the lineup. I think DeBrusque is in a better spot. Obviously, you got the top line that everyone knows about. You can always target them, but if you want value now, I mean, Boston is definitely a team you can hit up.
0: Yeah, they seem to be getting things going at the right time, a dismantling of a good Capitals team pretty quickly. I want to ask well, you about goaltenders. Now, take Price off the table. I don't, I don't mean carry Price, like the cost of a guy. Right. Who's been the best goal in the playoffs so far? Because I think Oilers fans probably say, from what they've seen, Connor Hellebuck's been right up there.
2: Uh, Hellebuck, unfortunately, you know, did, del- has delivered us the nightmare scenario at Edmonton. <laughs> um, I think everyone in the back of their mind had, well, if Connor Hellebuck shows up, you know, how is this series going to go? And I guess we got our answer. Um, so he definitely gets a shout out. Um, you know, Ilya Sorkin in, in, uh, in, in the New York Islanders has definitely been an eye opener um, and had some, some big, big games so far for them. Um, you, you know, especially in the last game, I mean, 2 uh, 0 record so far in this series. He's outplayed Semyon Varlamov. I expect the Islanders to go him the rest of the way. 0.944 save percentage there. He's, you know, if the Islanders come out of that series, it's going to be him. Uh, fantastic looking record. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily shut the door on Tristan Jari either. He's got a really good home, home split. So I, I'm kind of looking at that series. It might go seven games. But Sorkin has definitely been the guy who's, who's stood out the most to me, like outside of um, outside of Hellebuck. So, um, you, you know, obviously I, I think the other series we could kind of shift our, our eyes toward is uh, is the Carolina um, National Predators series. I mean, both goalies have, have shown up well there. But Juicy Saros is a guy who, I thought would steal some games for the Predators in the series. He's he's kind of done that. Although some of uh, some of the Canes' losses have been themselves shooting themselves in the foot as well. But you know, Saros is a guy who, again, the Predators are just live underdogs because of him, um, because he can just flash up with like a 35 save performance. So both goalies to play well there, but you know, Saros is uh, is definitely a dangerous player too.
0: Now, last question before I let you go. There is always people who disappoint in the playoffs. Uh, game one and game two, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl That'll probably broke a few DFS uh, players' hearts. Is there anyone else that stands out to you that just so far has been kind of a, maybe a waste or a, a minor disappointment to you?
2: Yeah, Carol off, unfortunately, for, for the Wilds. I mean, such a good regular season. This guy was on absolute fire to end it. You know, it seemed like he was scoring every night. The Wilds offense has just dried up. Um this is a team that just doesn't have good depth at center, and I think it's starting to show through a little bit. Um, their defense really hasn't contributed much, you know, Matt Dumba, that's about it. though uh, Spurgeon has not shown up. Kaprizov, for for all, again, for all his uh, for all his very regular season performances, hasn't really shown that he's able to just take the game over, you know, w- without a center there. So uh, I-, I would definitely put him high on my um, you know list of busts. I mean, again, you know that whole you can you can include that whole wild offense like Biela yeah, as well but you know you have to think capper's off just because he was so hot coming in i think me, people expected me included that the wild would make the series a lot closer really hasn't been close at all uh and so i would put him probably I can't even really think of anyone else who's been as near a bus as Capra's off, So I guess that kind of tells you how poor he's played.
1: Yeah, He's
0: in elite status right there. Uh, Jeffrey, thanks so much for doing this again. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to get you on again next week with or without the Oilers. Just seeing, yeah. you know, hey, maybe Bill can win some money because that might be uh, all they have to look forward to.
2: <laughs> hey, if, if we're back here and the Oilers are still at it, it, it's a good thing.
0: So That would be outstanding. Jeffrey, thanks a lot for doing this. Take care.
2: Okay, thanks a lot.
0: Excellent stuff from Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. As I said, give him a follow on Twitter, at TheFantasyGrind. Big thank you to Jeffrey for hopping on the podcast today, as well as Dean Millard. We taped that conversation early Tuesday morning. Of course, the Oilers going to triple overtime, losing to the Winnipeg Jets. Big thank you to Dino for hopping on the podcast. And that's going to do it for this edition of the show. We will be back on Friday And we'll recap the season. We'll look at the future and uh, maybe talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup playoffs as they continue. But we will be mostly focused on the Edmonton Oilers. And hopefully by then we won't be quite as disappointed as we are today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts from.